This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. All righty, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. And I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants, IT specializing in the accounting industry. And with us today, we have Katie Thomas, CPA, a top 50 woman in accounting recipient, two-time 40 under 40 CPA practice advisor recipient, owner of Leaders Online, where they help accounting professionals and B2A business to accountant professionals increase their impact, influence, and income through thought leadership and digital marketing. Katie, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm excited to chat today and see where our conversation goes. Yeah, it'll probably start off with, okay, let's talk about marketing and then it'll go off the rails and we'll be talking about like Indian food or just something like completely, <laughs> <laughs> completely out there. So trying to keep on on track. So Katie, what's your background in in the accounting world, the marketing world? What sort of brought you to be who you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in a family that had a small business And at that time, like the internet was just starting to take off. And so I actually got to get exposed to setting up websites, Google ads, doing SEO at a really young age. I mean, I made my first website before I was even a teenager. And so I did that all the way through college and really felt like my understanding of business and psychology around like why people buy, why they make decisions. I got a lot of insight, um, around that at a super young age, which I'm really thankful for. And then when I went to college, it was like, well, what do you want to do? And I knew I wanted to go down this business path, hopefully go into entrepreneurship at some point, but that's not really a degree. And so everyone was like, hey, accounting's the language of business. If you like it, that could be a great degree to get. So I loved my first accounting class um, so much that I ended up getting my master's in accounting, getting my CPA. And then while I was actually working at one of the big four firms, um, I realized this is crazy how much these partners at these firms, they struggle with marketing and business development, and they really haven't been equipped with the tools and resources to do it. So it made me think, okay, what's it like at some of these smaller firms? And when I left, I combined my love for marketing and my knowledge of the accounting industry And at first it was just me. We were working with really small firms. And now we still work with some smaller firms, but we also have firms that are in the top 100, as well as working with those accounting tech professionals. And so it's awesome. I feel so lucky to get to do a job that I absolutely love to do. It's cool that you had the entrepreneurship sort of ingrained in you. 
And like, as you were going along, it's like first website before you were a teenager. I'm trying to think mine is it was somewhere in there. It's like sophomore year of high school. So whatever that math comes out to call it like early 2001, two ish. So whatever. That's like, nah, you, you have me beat there. But so so understanding the psychology and seeing the struggles that a lot of people have, because, you know, a lot of people extremely book smart, but then, you know, when it comes to actually running a business, you know, you, you have the technical skills of here is how to perform your duties, but then the entrepreneurial skills of here's how to grow a business. Here's how to market a business more than just your standard, like, oh, well, join a BNI and make a couple friends and the referrals will just start rolling in because you're friends with an appliance repair person that's always asking people who their accountant are. Like, it works. Like, you can get business from it, but it's not, I wouldn't say that it's the best way right. to do it. So that's sort of the, like, you know, every group has has like their accountant in it or like tax professional and bookkeeper if they've got two of them. So what are some of like the low hanging fruits for things that firm owners can do if they're, let's just say they're starting from zero, no marketing, word of mouth only, and referrals come, you're good enough at what you do that referrals happen. So it's a good little gig, but what are some things people could be doing instead? Yeah. So this process is something that any firm can implement. And it's one that is perfect if you're like, hey, I'm tired of just relying on referrals. Um, or maybe you're looking to dip your feet into digital marketing, or maybe you already feel like you're doing a pretty good job. I bet that this process can enhance what you're currently doing. And it's one that we use with a lot of the clients we work with. So it's built around the four C's and the first of the C is to choose. So just choose one platform and this platform, um, this could be LinkedIn for you. This could be Instagram. It could be Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of platforms as you know today, but pick one that you want to be really consistent on. And if you're like, I'm not really sure what one then I encourage you to ask yourself, okay, where does your ideal client, your niche, your who, whatever we want to call it, where are they hanging out? And then maybe that leads you to say, okay, well, they're on Facebook and they're on Instagram and they're on LinkedIn. So I'm left with a lot again. Then take it a step further and ask, um, what platform out of these really plays to your strengths? So for example, LinkedIn's awesome because it supports you creating a wide variety of content. Whereas like Instagram, if you're not someone that wants to create images or videos, then that's probably not the best place to focus on because there is a content creation part of this 4C process, which we will get into. But those two questions can help you kind of decide, okay, this is where I should laser in on. And again, the first step was to choose and ask yourself where your ideal client hangs out and what platform plays to your strength. Now, as part of this, make sure it's your platform set up well, you have a good profile picture. It's not a picture of you back in your fraternity or sorority days. We've all seen those composite pictures that are a bit outdated, even if we don't want to admit. Um, so make sure it's updated, looks nice, and make sure it's really clear on who you help and how you help them. So 
don't be afraid to call out who you're looking to attract, even if all of your clients aren't currently in that category. So yes, you may want to work with lawyers, but you currently have a handful of construction clients. Don't worry. You have to call out someone so that they can actually recognize that you're there to help them. And I have never once had someone pick a niche and call me up and say, you know what? I decided to focus on this niche and all my clients are mad or even one of my clients are mad at me. You're fine. I promise. So the niche or the ideal client, whatever again you want to call it, that's going to give you focus. Now, the second thing, the second C is to connect. And so once we've chosen our platform, we actually need to go out and start connecting with these people. And there's a wide um, variety of strategies you can use. So you can go one by one, such as on like Sales Navigator. It's pretty easy to find your ideal clients. Um, But another strategy you can use, which is actually one of my favorites, is to start thinking bigger picture. Think about who already holds the attention of who you want to reach and how you can team up and collaborate with them. So for example, Andrew, like doing this um, interview together, we're collaborating in a way that we can help both of our audiences. So start looking for your Andrews out there. Who can you collaborate with? Who can you add value to their audience? And that way you don't have to go one by one. Uh, another thing you can do is to think about joining groups online. So there are groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, different niche platforms. Groups can be super powerful. And then hashtags. So what hashtags are your ideal clients using? Can you follow those, see what content's being posted, and start engaging there? Now, that was the second step. So we chose our platform. We started connecting with our ideal clients. Um, and then the third step is going to be to converse with them. So sometimes we forget that on social media, we have to be social and it's our job to go out if we're going to add these people to start a conversation with them. And that's not to say to start a conversation like book a discovery call or buy my product. That does not work. We are humans here. And if you wouldn't say it offline, don't say it online. So easy things you can ask are around like what they're working on, what their goals are, how they got involved in the industry, something you noticed on their profile. This initial conversation does not all have to be directed towards getting them to book a call. The important thing is that you just open up, have a conversation, and trust me, they're going to come to your profile, which will explain what you do, how you help. And if they are in that 2% of the market that is ready to take the next step and say, work with you right now, then they're going to know what you do and they can they can ask you. Um, finally, the fourth step is to create. Now, a lot of people get this backwards. They think I'm on social media, I'm posting, I'm creating content all the time. Why is it not leading to anything? Well, the truth is the content is last. If you're not having conversations with people, if you're not adding to your network and growing it, then you're just hoping that a piece of content is going to go viral. Truthfully, this content is important, but it's the last step in the process. So make sure that you are fulfilling those other aspects of the four C's first, and then you can start with content. And a couple things on the content creation process. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but truthfully, that $97 stock content, that's not going to cut it. People want to consume content that's going to entertain them. It's going to educate them. And this is not educating them with you know a long laundry list of things to do now that 
the deadlines coming up. It's like actually leading with unique insights and thoughts. So I don't know how far, you know, we want to go down the rabbit hole of content, but if you want to just start getting your feet wet into content, I would say aim to post three times a week and think about like what questions your clients are asking you and you can start creating responses uh, to send them and then using those responses, of course, removing any sort of like confidential information, uh, use those to craft your content. So that's that's the 4C process. It's super powerful and we've seen it work for firms time, time and again. And that's honestly what I started with whenever I was starting my business. And I think also there are some fringe benefits that come along with having that platform and the face and the authority. So, I mean, I'll just take us as an example. Like a lot of the things you had mentioned are part of the the process that we follow. And so, I mean, we've had this podcast since 2020 and, you know, hundreds of episodes and directly from it, there's there's maybe been off the top of my head, maybe five, 10 customers that were that messaged me directly saying, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn and I like what you do. And now I'm ready to move forward, like in that 2% that you had mentioned. But on fringe benefits from it, where you had talked about connecting with others in the same realm as you, I've connected with tons of other leaders in the industry and we've worked together and collaborated. And because I had been consistent with content and putting things out over the past couple of years, it opened that door and that opportunity and speaking engagements at conferences and things that because the authority had been built due to basically, I mean, I'm, I'm like really bad with, with being on social media. Like I went on Facebook today cause I needed a picture and I saw that I was tagged like as a recommendation to get a security plan like two weeks ago from a client. It was like, oh man, this doesn't look good that I didn't, that I didn't follow up. But, um, but on LinkedIn where majority of uh, what we do goes into because a lot of our clients are on LinkedIn. It's a platform I'm familiar with. It's it's helped build the brand and the influence around it. And so then speaking engagements at conferences and people come up to you and say, hey, I saw what you spoke on and I've got this giant thing. So it all comes together. And I think initially coming into it, I was thinking the what's the direct return of like how much time I spend on this and how many sales that can get generated from it. But if I took a more holistic approach and looked at it, the content and whether or not it's the best thing anybody's consumed, the consistency of it over time. And this wasn't just, you know, month one, hey, we got one. It was, it took a, a while to just kind of trust the process and see that it was going to work. And then, you know, we got one from it and one turned into two and just kind of snowballed over time. But um, so one of the things that 
you had kind of hit on and I'd like to dig deeper into it um, where we all where we start with this with identifying who is the person that you want to work with and drawing that line in the sand and and for us it we we spent six seven years of work it everything for everybody and if you're a lawyer we can handle you and if you're a dentist we can handle you and we still have plenty of lawyers and dentists despite being called tech for accountants like you said no i said like now i want to cancel it's like we do a good job regardless but we just kind of fell into it and lucked out i maybe not luck but it it wasn't a extremely well thought out it was like we happen to have a lot of accountants and there's some very specific things that nobody else is doing so we will do it and it's it's worked well so how do you suggest people go about finding their ideal client so of course in any business it is important that these ideal clients can afford you and your services depending upon what you offer those prices might look a bit different but money's not the only thing that matters and if you're picking an industry just because you're like hey these people they've got a lot of money and can pay me well that's a bad decision and for anyone listening they might be like well of course that is but i see it time and time again so you really want to think about like, yeah, of course, who can afford you, but also like what industry are you actually interested in? So let's say that you pick real estate. Well, if you pick real estate, then you should be on bigger pockets. You should be attending BPCon, which is their event that they just had. You should be going to other trade shows and events that they're holding. Because when you pick an industry that you want to focus on, it's not just simply updating your website copy or social media profiles. It's actually being a part of that industry and hopefully becoming a thought leader of that industry, which means you're going to need to get really involved. And so I hope that you pick one that you really like. If you aren't sure what you like, then start, you know, reflecting on your current client base. Are there certain clients that, you know, you really enjoy talking to them about their business? You would like to learn more. Um, you know, where do your natural interests lie? Are there any that you know, align with clients that you could work with that would have businesses that fit well with your service offerings? So there's a lot of different ways you could take this, but you've got to go back to like what you actually you actually enjoy in an industry that you truly do care about. And um, Jason stats talks a lot about this as well, but once you've identified the, okay, these are the people that I want to work with. And so we can, we'll, we'll just use the, the real estate example. So into the bigger pockets into that realm. So, what do you say? So again, we'll just take this hypothetical of, of real estate. So we see that there's conferences that they're going to the places that they hang out. And this is something it's from Russell Brunson, but he says, you know, where do they congregate? And most people think congregation like a church, but there's still congregations of all sorts of like-minded people. And if you're speaking to realtors or people, you know, you could dig down even deeper. Okay. I'm a real estate investor that specializes in flipping condos. 
yeah. right? Like the deeper and deeper and deeper you can get and the more specific you can get. Like that was a mistake we made was tech for accountants is like way too broad. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's audit and bookkeeping and tax. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, the IRS requires this. And then the bookkeepers are like, oh, it doesn't apply to me. Like I'm really focused on like QuickBooks online and how to secure that and doesn't have desktop applications. It's like, wait a second, there is, they are completely different. So what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously it can't just be one specific, you know, if, if someone in this example was like, I'm going to look for someone that owns an IT company and has already flipped a condo in a 50 plus community and is thinking about doing it again, like that, that is me. Like I'm the only person you could market to. So is there sort of like a good amount of people that need to be in the space for it to be worth your while? What are your thoughts on like size wise? Well, this also, I would go back to like how, how easily are you attracting these people now? So a lot of times people aren't going narrow enough to attract people. And so go narrow and see it go even more narrow and see if you are able to attract more people. Now, like you said, there is a point where you are too narrow probably, but who's to say where that point is until you've tested it out? You can always go wider, but often the problem is going narrow enough. So I would say don't discourage yourself from going too narrow. Again, use your own judgment, but play around with it and see, because if you can be you know, the only one that is marketing to this niche, now that's pretty easy for you to attract those clients. It's a clear decision who these clients should work with as their accountant. Um, you're not competing against as many people. So definitely go go narrow before you go wide. And the more that you can learn about them and the language and lingo, and, and before we had started working with accountants, I remember I was speaking with my own accountant and we were talking about designations and certifications. And I was like, I mean, I couldn't imagine working with an accountant who doesn't have CPA at the end of their name. He's like, well, I'm an enrolled agent. And I was like, what's that mean? You know, and, and now it's, we see it so frequently with so many of our customers. We know that there's a distinct difference of CPA and EA and all the other designations, but most people, you know, so we'll take our example, the generalist IT, you say, I'm an accountant. They say, oh, you do taxes. Well, no, I'm a bookkeeping firm that's cloud-based and it's, well, that's very different than like the legacy CPA firm running like Thomson Reuters. And, you know, there's so many different mindsets and types of people, but when you can communicate and speak their language and speak it well, it helps build the trust. And, you know, in the accounting industry, I touch on this a bit, but the trust equity is what people go off of, which is why referrals are easy deals to get because, your friend has already established that trust equity and is just transferring it to the referral. So there's already that built-in trust. But when you're going against everybody saying the same thing, you know, it gets washed out. And then you just say, well, I'll charge less than everybody else. And 
I guess that works. But then what when someone charges less than you? Right. No one, no one's going to go with the second lowest price, right? right? So you have to keep lowering it. It's just a race to the bottom. It's like kind of thinking about that referral example you just shared. Why not build this credibility standing on the bigger, bigger pockets conferences stage? It's like that's going to be huge credibility, but you will never get that chance if you aren't specialized and niched and clearly known for this thing, helping this person. So, so many opportunities. Yeah. And I mean, also, if you look at the referral, it's like you're niched in being like their friend's accountant. <laughs> like you are the only one that is that friend's accountant who has asked for a recommendation. So, I mean, if you look at it through that lens of not just, well, I have a couple hundred clients, they all love me and they refer somebody to me every year or so and not depending on well it just so happened to fall into my lap but really creating something that's repeatable and scalable being able to take your knowledge and not being just the the only person that knows how to do the tasks inside your firm but growing that, scaling it, and then it frees up time so you can spend more time in thought leadership and marketing and just kind of, I see in the background, the fix this next. And that's that was one of the pieces, right? It's like you fix, it, it's been a couple of years since I read it, but it's like you fix the marketing and then when marketing's good, then you fix sales. And when sales is good, you fix the like customer service. And, and the, so then it's just like, once things are filled, you just keep making it like, bigger and bigger and bigger that was that was that book right you get the hierarchy of needs and you keep moving up mm -hmm. yeah so understanding who your niche is and i i like how you say you know go deeper and not just i work with everybody in real estate because you know there's buyers there's sellers <laughs> investors and realtors and you know, they all speak different languages. They have different aspirations. And, you know, the deeper and deeper you can get. And, you know, um, I forget who mentions it, but they talk about, you know, if two people are having a conversation and you barge in with something super unrelated, you're not part of that conversation. What you've done is just interrupted them. Now, say two people, they're talking about how their toddlers love watching some annoying show on YouTube. And you pop in and say, my toddler also hates watching that on YouTube. Or I hate my toddler loves watching that on YouTube. Then, you know, oh, okay, you are part of this same conversation. So you are participating in it. And so you know, when you talk about like groups and things, so if they're having issues in a conversation of, well, the, what are the IRS security requirements? And then I see that and chime in with, here are some resources. It's not me shoving it down their throat. It's answering a question that they had, and it's a lot more welcomed 
And then again, we're building the trust equity of, okay, they solved that problem. What other things can they solve? And so I think kind of what we keep hitting on is you dig in to the exact person or company that you want to be helping, make sure that they fit a good criteria for you. Because if you don't like a certain type of person, then you don't want to be working with them and money can only buy so much. So I love that. Don't just, don't just focus on, oh, well, I only work with brain surgeons because they (laughs) all have money, right? Like they have to. However, if you love brain surgeons just specifically, and you're not the, oh, we, we do everything for doctors, but we specialize with brain surgeons and, you know, there's probably some, there has to be brain surgeon lingo that they use. And, you know, you can have those conversations with them and then be, wow, you really understand the obstacles and issues that I've run into. And so then once you've built that trust and established it, then price is just a thing that happens. And for doing basically the same amount of work, but it's more specialized, you can have higher prices, makes you more profitable, which makes everything work better when you're specialized and there's less things to do. I I can just keep digging into why, (laughs) you know, there's, there's countless benefits to it. Okay. The flip side, you know, lawyers, actually lawyers are a bad example because there's tax attorneys, but like dentists are not like, ah, tech for accountants. That's up my alley, but it's okay because being everything to everybody isn't at least for us. And I know the accounting industry is the exact same way of you get commoditized and grouped in with, oh, every accountant's the same who charges less. Cause I'm going to get the same thing no matter who I hire and being able to really, you know, what is different about you and how you can convey that. So we've, we've hit on the thought leadership, the being at the conferences, the speaking their language, the posting content, the, yeah, we've, we've hit on a lot. lot. My, my brains, I feel like I've gotten a little smarter. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like a smidge So any, anything else, Katie, that sort of jumps out for like accountants really need to be focusing on doing X when it comes to their marketing. I think creating a strategy that aligns sales and marketing is really important. And what I mean by that is we kind of talked about like marketing, you know, creating a marketing process that's calling someone out. And on the flip side of that, it's like, if they want to think about marketing in a way that they discover information. So like, let's say, do you go online and you search, you know, best bookkeeping workflows for my firm or best marketing for my firm. It's like, you're clearly like your marketing should match kind of how you discover marketing for yourself. So the niche is definitely important, but then creating this process where buyers can also buy in a way that they like to buy is really important as well. So for example, on your website, What is something that you as a buyer want on the website? Well, a lot of times people want to know pricing. 
maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, our pricing's all custom. Okay, that's fine. Then give them like starting prices or maybe like an average price that someone pays. And doing little things like that that just make it easy for people is so important today that you know you don't want to have that friction. And then also on top of that is just having good processes in place when someone does say like they're interested in having a call. We'll make sure you have a place to store their information to follow up and say a week if they haven't booked the call. Those little things can just be low hanging fruit that can make the whole process a lot easier for people that do intend to work with you, but maybe they got sidetracked doing that brain surgery that was on their calendar. <laughs> Darn brain surgery is just always yeah. getting in the way. I I run into that so frequently where it's just like ah, I was <laughs> going to I was going to work with that professional and brain surgery just uh <laughs> take I, you away from it. Yeah, just always performing brain surgery. It's just <laughs> you know, a little hobby of mine on the side. <laughs> but I, I love what you said though about not just having the marketing and sales side, like marketing in its own silo and sales in its own silo. And I think people, they kind of get, oh, well, I don't want to be salesy. And it's not salesy. I mean, it's, if anything, it's more like cashier, you know, like the the person check out at Walmart, like they're not a salesperson. They're just taking, you know, the things that you purchased and telling you the price for them. Like you decided what you want and they said, okay, this is the total price. And there isn't pressure or anything associated with it. It's like, this is what I wanted and agreed on the price. And here we go. But I think people, they kind of get this hang up like, oh, sales means, you know, pressure back against the wall. And oh my goodness, like what happens to my family if I don't buy now? And it doesn't have to be anything like that. If the marketing is in alignment with the sales and then obviously the fulfillment. So it's got to be one fluid thing. And that was something that we had struggled with initially was that marketing has all this information and then people on the sales side or the order takers, cashiers weren't aware of all the things that, you know, so we're saying, okay, here's the regulations and here's how to handle it. Da, da, da. And then they come in saying, you know, I'm concerned about these regulations and how to handle it. And they're like, oh, that regulation, huh? Let me look into it. And it's like, weren't you guys the one that told me? About so, you know, keeping everything on the same page, the smaller you are, the easier it is to to do that. But, you know, as you grow and there's a million levels of this person tells that person tells that person which comes yeah. into having systems, but the the follow-up to like utilizing a CRM and not just, I mean, I, you can do it in an Excel sheet. Like it's not the worst, worst. It's better than nothing. I'll give it that. But really having something like you said, where they showed interest, but didn't book the appointment. And you can set up workflow automation for, if they clicked the book an appointment button, but there is no appointment with them one week later, nudge, nudge, like you, you've, I'm sure you've seen the abandoned shopping cart 
we've all gotten you know, those. You know, we've all we've all gotten those. I, I the other day I was about to order uh, Uber Eats, and I was like, nah, I shouldn't. And then I get like a pop up, you know, push notification on my phone. It's like it's like don't forget about your food, and it's like, huh. I mean, I didn't forget. Like I made the decision not to, but you know these the abandoned cart reminders that attributes to a bunch of sales and it's not you force them it's just you've reminded them that was something that they had shown interest in just we get hit with so many things brain surgeries and work and the just, brain surgeries <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to look into to niching brain surgeons tech for accountants <laughs> and tech for brain surgeons they probably have like a fancier name for themselves, though. I feel like brain surgeons like too layman-y. Anyway, so so workflow automation, being able to follow up on opportunities to get them to take them from the aware of your services to interested in your services to having that discovery call or understanding, learning more about what you offer, how you can help them. So. These are all you know, really important points that when you're just sitting back saying, I can't wait for my next referral to come, or I'm sure that so-and-so, they said that they have a friend, so I'm just, I'm waiting for that to happen. But being able to produce content that's helpful for them one of the lessons we learned was create content that they want versus content that we want them to want. It's like for us, like I would love every accountant to be like looking for like what cybersecurity requirements must I purchase to be compliant, right? Like that would be the ultimate long tail keyword search, but no one's actually looking for that. They just want someone to know that they've got their back and they're covered when they work right 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 and so i i see this mistake with a lot of uh people in our industry where it's like oh well we have cisco blah 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 and we have microsoft gold partner blah 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 and we're veeam experts this that and the other and we have a wonderful comprehensive endpoint detection response system that utilizes AI and makes everything super secure. Da, 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 da. And we just say, yeah, we work in the background and everything works and you don't have to learn anything. And our clients are like, that's what I want. I just yeah. want it to work. I don't want to learn anything. Just make it work. And, you know, that's, but understanding that that's what the client wants. Whereas if we were selling to ourselves, you know, we're like, we want all the bells and whistles and I want to learn everything. And, you know, but understanding your clients and the avatar and who your offer attracts, you know, we, we keep hitting on this. So I think if there's any, you know, big takeaways from this, find who it is that you want to work with and tailor your offering to that person. And that doesn't mean that you have to get rid of all of your existing clients, but it does mean you have to put in some effort into something different. And yes, that means not everybody 
is going to want to work with you. But currently, if people aren't knocking down the doors to work with you right now, then, you know, maybe it's something worth looking into. And what's the downside? Say you follow everything and it doesn't work. You're right back where you started with nobody wanting to work with you. Minus your referrals or, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. You are uniquely next door to me. And that is your value prop. Yeah. So, so I want to be conscious of your time, Katie. I had such a great time with you on the show. Where can people uh, go to find out more about you? Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm Katie Thomas, CPA on all social media platforms. I hang out on LinkedIn the most. Uh, so you can reach out to me there or head over to leaders-online.com. Fantastic. And we'll have all the links in the show notes. And Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. I had a great time. And I'm sure people you know that are listening have taken away a lot from this. And hopefully, you know, take what you got and utilize it grow. I mean, at the end of the day, these are strategies to make more money. Isn't that kind of you know, the end goal with most of this stuff? Obviously, there's still fulfillment in helping others, but it also helps to be like profitable and stuff like that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, th so thanks everybody for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like and subscribe and take care, Katie. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.